Welcome to Let Me Tell You About My Jesus, brought to you by United Campus Ministry at Frostburg State University with Chaplain Dr. Z, AKA Chaplain Cindy. That's me, folks. This summer, we're going to engage in a weekly conversation around the teachings of Jesus with his Sermon on the Mount. Do you have your Bibles open? Because we're getting started. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Z with a new episode for Let Me Tell You About My Jesus with Dr. Z. This is the show that brings you weekly teachings from Jesus to help us grow as authentic followers of him. Today we're talking about Jesus' call to be salty Christians, which is a Matthew 5 verse 13. And joining us for today for this spiritual discussion is Reggie Morton. Distinguished UCM alumni and officer, our winner of the Servant Leader of 2022 award. Reggie, you're a pretty salty character, so perfect for this Bible study discussion. Say hello to the folks, Reggie, and uh, tell them what's new with you. Hello, everybody out there. My name is Reginald Morton, as Reverend Cindy already said. And I tell you, I didn't think I would be back at Frostburg this soon. <laughs> but I'm okay with coming back, especially for the campus ministry, to do anything that will help out to spread the good news and just to encourage um, other people in this world. Um, as far as me out there, I'm just trying to make it. Um, for those who know me, I have graduated um, as of May 2022. Yay, yay, yay. To God be the glory. So um, I'm still trying to find my way out there, you know, just trying to keep the faith and keep it pushing. You know, life can get hard, times can get tough, but at the end of the day, look at your neighbor and say at the end of the day, that's at the right. End of the day. At the end of the day, Rev, if you're still here, then you still have another chance. Amen. Amen. Well, as I said, Matthew 5 verse 13, Reggie, is the verses or verse that we're going to be talking about. And it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, Jesus isn't giving his followers any wiggle room here. He says, whether you want to be or not, you're the salt of the earth. So each of us has a purpose and a function to make the kingdom of God a reality in their corner of influence right here and now. And this could be your family or your neighborhood, your workplace, your school. Well, yeah, even your church, any place where you have the ability to make an impact. So what, Reggie, did you think Jesus meant when he told us that we were the salt of the earth? Salt is um, a flavoring, of course, and salt enhances. So one thing that that uh, Jesus was probably saying to his disciples is that whether you like it or not, this life is not about you, but it's about how you can enhance, how you can help, how you can add a little bit of flavor to somebody else's life. Um, and he also wanted them to know, just like it says that if that once it loses this flavor, it's no good, you know, and that's not so much saying that you will lose your flavor and you don't have a purpose, but that's saying that when you find yourself running flavorless, you know, when you find yourself not making a positive impact, not helping and not encouraging people, it's time to, you know, go back for refilling and you have to not be so much of a shame that you've started to lose your salt that you don't go back, 
You see what I'm saying? You have to be aware and you have to start doing what you would have to do, which I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about a little bit later. You know, going to those prayer services, listening to those worship songs, reading your word, you know, trying to keep your mind focused, meditate on those things that are good and not bad. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, you know, salt is also very necessary for life. I mean, if we didn't have salt, we would die. Uh, mm-hmm. Salt plays this critical role in maintaining our health, maintaining our blood pressure, maintaining how much volume of blood is in our veins. Um, it also has a lot to do with how our nerves and our muscles function. I know if you've ever jogged or worked really hard and you got all, you know, sweaty and, you know, and dehydrated, part of restoring your health would be to drink something salty. So salty is necessary for life too. And I think Christians are necessary for our life to continue in a human trajectory. Now, what I mean by that is that if we look back in history, we see Christians improving the quality of life from Jesus' time until now. And so I think salt is also you know, something, I mean, as salty Christians, it's something that we should be doing to make our planet better. Yes. Uh, yes. Make our life more enriching and healthier. Yes. Okay. Well, the other thing I had in mind too, I don't know, I don't think you were with us because you didn't get to go on the mission retreats with us. Oh, yeah, that's right. I missed them all. I know. And I'm so sorry about that. But the last one we did, uh, Jules went with us yes. and she had for her leadership activity for our after work hours, she did facials to everyone and she had what she called a salt sugar rub that she mm-hmm. rubbed on our faces and she said that it purifies the contaminants in your skin. Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing I think that Jesus had in mind when he said that we were the salt of the earth because salt was a purifying agent in his day. And all the people, all the people that heard him knew that if they wanted to take fish to the market from the sea to the interior of uh, Israel, they had to pack it in salt to preserve it mm-hmm. so it could get to the, uh, you know, marketplace. And yeah. so I think um, Jesus had that in mind, too, when he said that we were the salt of the earth as well. Yes, so- most definitely a preservative. I can I can attest. I can I can say that for sure, because, you know, one thing, especially like they uh, say, you know, fail not to assemble yourselves so regularly in these last and these last and evil times, you know, that salt really that not just that salt, <laughs> we make it sing, we talking about food, but that, um, but you know, what the salt really is that fellowship, you know, that encouragement, everything that helps, you know, your, 
your other people, helps other people and helps you most importantly to be able to pour into other people. That helps to preserve you in these last evil days because everything is outside, as my pastor say, everything is waiting for you outside of these church walls. Okay, when you come out your prayer closet, everything is waiting for you. Everything is waiting for you that the devil will have for you. So, you know, you really have to try your best to stay encouraged. And sometimes, you know, it may not be as easy, but you have to really stay because can you imagine for those who don't go get salt or go, or go get a refilling and be preserved, you know, how much worse off when we know how we can be, you know, going in and out the hospital, you know, going through surgery up and down, car problems over here, job problems over there. Can you imagine we would have lost our mind mm-hmm. a long time ago? We would have lost our mind a long time ago. And, you know, it's just it's something that we need other Christians so much, like all those mission trips and all those Bible studies that we did together on campus, you know, it, it preserved our sanity as we were going through (laughs) all the uh, ups and downs that college life does too. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that was kind of like, you've already jumped into my next question is like, uh, you know, I'm going to mention four things that salt does. And I wanted to ask you how that relates to our Christians, our, I mean, our discipleship. You know, how does that characteristic relate to our discipleship? Mm-hmm. So I, we already mentioned that salt was necessary for life. So how does that relate to our discipleship call? Hmm. How does saltiness, you know, being the salt of the earth relate to our our discipleship call. Well, discipleship, you know, is, is not just saying that you are, but actually being a part of, if I, if I'm, you know, saying it right. Because when in a church, when you go through discipleship classes, you're being taught or being coached on how to fully engage yourself in the ministry and in the work of, you know, what it would mean to be a Christian. So what does that mean to the importance of our discipleship? It basically means that if we're the salt, you know, we have to realize that what we profess and what we do is not just doing it. It carries weight to it. Mm -hmm. It carries a lot of weight to it. And we have to realize, you know, the lives that we touch and, and everything of that nature, you know, and we have to sometimes do it when we don't feel well, you know, and that's a big part. We have to do it when we don't see the end result. We have to do it when, you know, something else could seem a whole lot better. Well, we, you know, we could be at work on a Sunday. I could be at work on a Sunday making a whole extra $150, you know, but you understand the importance of going, you know, of going to church and getting that refilling amongst your fellow believers or doing your kingdom commitment and having a kingdom mindset. So it is very important, you know, ha- having that, that thing that purifies, mm-hmm. that thing that preserves, you know, inside of you is really important to that part of your discipleship. Amen, Reggie. I agree with that. And we've already talked about the uh, purifying thing. So I'm not going to mention that again, but um, you know, one of the things about uh, our salty, you know, salty Christians is that the human condition or the world is bent towards self-destruction mm-hmm. and we're the, we're the, uh, we're the, part of that whole uh discipleship call to call people out of that self-destructive life you know yes. and to give them 
give them the light of life or say it. Yeah, we're going to talk about light another time. But, you know, without Christians in the world, the world would be a really dark and evil place, I think. Yes. Um, So um, we are the stuff that makes life livable, I would say. Now, Hmm. um, I would like to uh, put that discipleship call in the perspective that salt is a preservative. We've talked a little bit about it, but can we talk a little bit more about how salty Christians have the characteristic of a a preservative? Mm -hmm. Now, what is a preservative, Rick? All right. Well, a preservative keeps things uh, from being corrupt or going bad. It keeps things from um, spoiling, I would say, Mm -hmm. or keeps bacteria down off of food, Mm -hmm. if you think of it that way. But now we want to think of it in terms of discipleship. Got you. Got you. Well, if something is helping something from spoiling, we know that once something spoils, you know, once something spoils, it you really can't rescue it. You know, if milk spoils, if milk curdles, well, actually, if milk and stuff spoils, a lot of times when some stuff spoils, you know, it can be reused. And that's a good thing also about Christ, because if milk spoils, well, guess what? It might be good for cheese. (laughs) It might be good for blue cheese dressing or something. And that's just like what Jesus would have us to do. Um, But of course, us being the salt of the earth, um, you know, Jesus is trying to keep people from number one, we already know that Uh, what does the Bible say? That we were born into sin and shaped in iniquity. So we know that the spoiling may come, okay? The spoiling may come, the the corruption may come. But the best thing about Jesus is that he is in the business of picking things back up and refurbishing it, you know? And, And that, it's like a double whammy here because yes, Christians are trying to keep people from spoiling by being the salt of the earth and helping them to be preserved and purified, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, if something was to happen, it takes those people who have been refurbished and gotten their salt back. Because when you lose your saltiness, it's not impossible to get it back. And that's what we have to realize, but you have to do the work to get it back. You have to go to the altar and fast and pray to get it back, you know, and read your word to get it back and keep your mind on things of good to get it back, you know. So therefore, then you can go forth in your discipleship and help other people who have been in a place where they have lost their saltiness, where they have spoiled, you know, some people have spoiled already and you can turn them right around, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, guess what? If you're, if your bananas are getting a little uh, wilted, well, guess what? We're going to make some banana bread. Yeah. How about that? Oh, you know, absolutely. <laughs> right, right. If your uh, if your milk is starting to uh, spoil a curdle, well, it's time to make some butter, some cheese, okay? And <laughs> you're gonna be turning to something brand new to be used for a different purpose, um, in this day and time because we all have a purpose, no matter what you have gone through. Mm-hmm. And I want somebody to hear that, no matter what you have gone through or what you're currently going through, do not stop doing the things that God has set out for you to do. Sometimes we get so stuck and that's how, and that's one way how our salt can go to waste because what good is it if you have all of this salt, you know, you have all of this stuff inside of you, but because you feel as though, you know, oh, my bag is dirty. Nobody is going to want my salt. 
you know, the salt inside that bag is fine. You know what I'm saying? The salt inside is fine. And it's waiting to be used because one day, one day, one time or another, you're going to get a new bag. You know, your bag can be, anybody can walk by and be like, oh, your bag is ripped and your, your, your salt is, um, you know, and your uh, salt bag is a little dirty. Here, I'm going to give you a new one so you can transfer your salt over. You know, but if you didn't go out there and keep on pouring out your salt and keep on using your salt, then you would have never found out that somebody was going to help you to, 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 to get a new bag, you know, and that's just how it is with our discipleship. We have to keep going. We have to keep going. We have to keep going. We have to keep using our salt. You know, we have to keep going. So that way one day we can get that new wine skin, you know, so we won't burst open, but if we don't keep going, then we can't ever get our new wine skin. Yeah. And I think also when we think about our Christian fellowship, uh, we need to keep in mind that um, we're supposed to help. We're supposed to be a preservative for each other too. Mm -hmm. I mean, like if you see, it says in the scriptures, if you see a brother or sister that's falling, then you're supposed to restore them. That's right. Uh, And so, you know, we're not supposed to just say, oh, they're going down the bad road. You know, it's our job as salty Christians to go and yeah. say, brother, sister, you know, I, I've heard this. I've seen this. You know, I'm worried about your soul. I'm worried about you. Like, mm-hmm. what's going on? And I mean, we have that a lot happen on campuses. Um, yeah. If you're on campus. You, you know, you see a lot of people who say they're Christians, but they're not, you know, necessarily acting as Christians. Yeah. Uh, they're not necessarily uh, showing their saltiness. <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's so, so, true. so one of the things about Christian fellowship is that we we get to be, um, you know, really good friends. We get to have these really deep, inter- you know, intimate kind of uh soul wrenching conversations and that gives us permission to go to people and say i'm concerned about you mm-hmm. what can i do to help you that's you know? right yeah you know, so- and it's and it's and, and you know and i have to say this is all about being in a place where you are able to be checked Okay. now a checking you know because as we always like to say people are going to do what people want to do you know, so it's not so much saying that somebody's going to roll up on you, check on you and make and force you to stop what you're doing or force you to do this or force you to go another way. Because rightfully so, some people do get led a different way than, you know, by God, than some other people do, you know, and we, we see that every single day. We see that all the time. You know, a lot of people get led in different ways. One thing that's right to somebody in South Carolina may not be right to somebody up here in Maryland at their church. But when you are in a place where you are able to be checked, you know, then you're able to be checked on. You see what I'm saying? And some people get to a place where they don't even want to be checked on because they don't understand the importance of being checked on. You know, and a check on could just simply be like how we do Bible study, Monday Bible study. We're just trying to look at each other and see each other and say, all right, I've seen my brother and sister, you know, and I see where they are struggling at. Because a lot of times, how many times have we been in Bible study, Rev, and somebody say, oh, well, I haven't come to Bible study because, you know, I've just been studying. And we're like, oh, okay. And they're like, yeah, my study habits are bad. We're like, well, how about you come to Bible study to give yourself a break? 
you know, and we can pour into you, restore you. And you might find out that the tutor is in the room. How about that? Because sometimes all you needed was just a little bit of encouragement. But sitting behind a computer 24 hours a day trying to get this classwork, you ain't found no encouragement. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You haven't found any. So until you can, you know, until you can get up and be checked in a sense where it's like your brother and sister can they look at you and help you out and encourage you a little bit, you know, check up on you. Then that's when you start to find your help. Yes, absolutely. All right. The next aspect of saltiness, and you mentioned it first uh, when we first started this, was that salt enhances flavor. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it makes life taste better. Um, so salty Christians make life taste better. It makes life exciting and beautiful and joyful. And you were one of those people in our Bible studies that always added humor, always added joy. Um that was you being a salty Christian. So, so yeah. So how do we, I mean, cause you know, sometimes people think Christians are all sour and judgy and all that kind of stuff, but that's not really the real characteristic of a Christian. No. So have you got any thoughts about that? Well, you know, when my bishop asked me in Bible study, because it's so important to go to a Bible study, saints and friends get you into a Bible study. I don't care if it's a discussion-based Bible study, a Bible-based Bible study, a questionnaire Bible study. Get among some believers more than just on Sunday, not online. Get in person. Amen. <laughs> because they can help you so much. And I found out this week that I have the gift. My bishop asked us, he said, what gift do you have in the spirit? Or what do you, how do you feel as though you use your fruit, you know, your gifts of the, um, your, your fruit gifts and everything. And I told him, I said, well, I feel as though I have the gift of assistance, you know? And he said, okay, okay. How, how do you feel you have the gift of assistance? Well, I'm praising worship leader in a lot of places I go. And I was there for the campus. I was there at the church in Frostburg. And now I'm back home, even at my church where I was doing it before. And now I'm back doing it again. And even, you know, just in various places, I'm praising worship leader. And I'm also um, a good with tech. So at my church back um, here in Baltimore, I do tech ministry. Um, I do things of that nature, you know, helping out in tech field with the soundboard, microphones, the live streams and things like that, you know. And then also I was pastor support ministry where I was ordained a deacon um, at 15. And what do all of those things entail? They entail helping somebody or helping the overall get to a certain goal. And I feel like that's where I'm assisting because in praise and worship, you know, I, I have assist, I assist people in getting to a place where it may be hard for them to get, you know, and this is something that um, when it comes down to being a salty Christian, you have to realize, like, it's not always about you, you know what I'm saying? Because no matter what kind of week, nobody at church would have ever known unless I told them out my mouth. You know, they would have never known that my car had been broken down for about three weeks. I had to catch Ubers and walk everywhere. And at the same time of catching walks and and Ubering everywhere, I didn't have a job. You know, my funds were depleting very, 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 very low. (laughs) But I still bless God anyway, because he's going to make a way. And, you know, and I'm over here making banana pudding and cake for everybody at church, running a fundraiser, you know, buying speakers for church and making sure that all of the stuff is in order, you know, because I had to realize that it's not about, you know, it's not about me. It's not really about me. I'm sitting there trying to push the overall goal 
because the amount of testimonies that I heard of people being blessed through the worship, mm-hmm. you know, being blessed through, I could have came in there and been like, Ooh, it's been such a hard week. I'm just going to sit here with a sour face because God ain't been good to me. You know, or even if he has been good, he ain't been that good. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I could have sat there and had that kind of attitude if I wanted. I could have sat there and, and said all of the excuses in the book, but instead I realized that in order to get through a situation, it's either I'm going to get through with a sour face, sitting down in an attitude, or I'm going to get through with a praise on my lips and a dance in my feet. But mm-hmm. one way or another, I'm going to have to go through it. You see that right there. And when we start to realize that one way or another, we are going to have to go through it. God has brought us to it and God showed us what will help us get through it. Our praise, I sung a song a few weekends ago and it says that our praise is a weapon. Mm -hmm. Our song is a weapon. My dance is a weapon, okay? Against the enemy. I don't have to sit there. I don't have to cuss. I don't have to fight. I don't have to get an attitude. I don't have to do none of these things. All I have to do is praise, dance, sing, and shout. And God said that he'll take care of the the rest. He has given us the tools and the ability to get through any test and trial. Because when we praise, we know that when we clap our hands, when we stomp our feet, when we open up our mouth and say hallelujah, we know that right there, that is where the, the the presence of God is, you know, it says he inhabits the praises of his people. What does inhabit mean? It means that God lives in the praises of his people, which means that if you just praise, even in the midst of your trial, God will come in and put his presence in the midst of that situation. And that situation will not be the same if you were there alone. Absolutely. In your self-pity or in your doubt, when you clap, when you dance, you hiss the devil. The old mothers would say out of his place when you do when you do that the devil can't stand it he can't stand it because that was his job his job was to praise and worship but he wanted to get a high head and be lifted up in pride and he ended up expelling himself and getting expelled from heaven because he wanted to have an attitude because he wanted to be about him and he did not really realize that whether people see you or not it's about giving god the glory you are there to help people. You are there to help people get there. It's not about you, though. It's about you getting there as well as helping other people get there. And then ultimately, God will get the glory. And when God gets the glory, everything will be all right. Yeah, I, I read a, a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer this week. And it's and one of the things that he said, the la- one of the last things that you know I quoted was, he said, discipleship means joy. And if you're worshiping, like Reggie, when you were leading worship, it was hard not to be joyful during worship uh, with you. And so definitely uh, your saltiness made our ministry uh, a place of joy. So thank you so much for that. Uh, Jesus said also that it's possible for us to lose our saltiness. And we've talked a tiny bit about this uh, in previous conversation in this uh, podcast. But if a believer loses their flavor, if they lose their saltiness, he says they are of no benefit. He said they're good for nothing but to be thrown out on the road and walked on. And this is like a really this is like a really harsh saying. You know, Uh, Paul said it like this. In Romans 1, 22, he said, although they claim to be wise, he's talking about 
the Christians that helped him start the church in Rome, he said they had become fools. Yeah. Okay. So how can we avoid being one of those fools that lose their saltiness? Like, what is it? What can we do? What are some of the things that we can do to make sure we don't lose our saltiness? One thing I can say, and this is something that I have tried. So, you know, I'm not just speaking this because some old mother at the church then told me this and I didn't grow up. No, no, no. When you go to college, okay, let me put it this way. When you go to college, you have every right, every reason and every way and every opportunity. That, that's the right word I'm looking for to fall away from what I'm about to say. You must remain consistent. Come on, right where you are, say consistent. Consistent. That's right, Rev. I hear you got to be my you got to be my audience. You have to remain consistent. I'm telling you, you, your consistency is the key to not becoming like one of these churches of the old that that fell away from their saltiness. You know, and what does it mean to remain consistent? It means that when you feel like it and even when you don't. Okay, when you see the numbers and when you don't. Okay, you remain consistent to what God has called you to do. If you know that God has called you to cook and you used to cook for 110 and now all of a sudden you look up and it's only 10, you keep on cooking. Okay, you keep on cooking. And if you and if you really feel like, oh, well, I need to cook for more, then you can go out and start ministering and cook for some homeless people. There are still some people to do it, but you remain consistent to what God has called you to do. That is not the time to get lifted up in pride and say, I'm not going to rehearsal. Why would I sit there and sing all these songs and practice all these songs if only 15 people are going to show up to, to church? That's not the kind of attitude to have. That is not the kind of attitude to have. I don't care. It could be, and Rev can be a witness. I, I didn't sit there and minister to 45 at a Bible study to sometimes two, you know, and it really didn't matter that it was two because those two can go. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, there he shall be in the midst. The Bible says where one or two are gathered in my name, all right, there he shall command the blessing, all right? If he's with two can chase a thousand, I mean, one can chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to a flight. So if we just remain consistent and have a mindset of hope and have a purpose in our vision, then therefore we won't lose our saltiness because we will forever be seeking God, forever saying, okay, you know, what can we do better? That's not saying that we're so bad, but we don't ever want to be stagnated either. You see what I'm saying? So what can we do better? You know, what can I do better? Maybe we have to go and be radical. Maybe we got to go and sing at the football stadium. Maybe we have to go do this or do that, you know, but don't stop doing what God has called you to do. That's not number one. Yeah. And, you know, another aspect of saltiness is that it makes you thirsty, you know, mm -hmm. and I think it's important for us on our campus or in our workplace or wherever we are that we, whoever we meet, we try to make them thirsty for God, um, you know, rather than giving them a bad taste for God. And I know that, um, I mean, I've been in the church a long time and I remember one time um, I was talking to some, uh, some street person and I was out in front of my church and I asked him, I said, have you ever thought about coming to uh, this church on Sunday? And they looked up at the church and they said, oh, you know, 
I would never go there because these people would not accept me, you know? So it's important, like when we belong to a fellowship, I think it's important for us to make people thirsty for God and not, you know, turn God off. Um, So I think that's important for us to really keep in mind that we are in a we're in a lost generation right now, especially on our campuses. And our job is to make people thirsty for Jesus. That's right. And so how, how do we do that on a campus or, you know, sometimes at work, you're restricted. How can you do it at work? Well, I can say one thing, because we are the salt, you do everything in taste. <laughs> and then with the old people would say, do it with taste, you know, do things with class, with taste. You know, um, a lot of times, you know, you never, first of all, we have to remember one, we have to remember one thing, that we are not in Jerusalem, okay? And we are not in a place where the whole land is one religion you see what i'm saying or two religions that are similar we are in a place called america which is a melting pot all right and america is a place where people of all kinds of religions have come and we have to remember that we have to be very careful to not and you know this is something that i that you try to work with the older generation and stuff because a lot of times i like the i call it when people do preaching where they put other people down you know or they put other religions down that kind of stuff a lot of times I don't feel as though it's so necessary because at the end of the day, you want to get your message across of hope. And God, the Holy Spirit, check this out. Uh-oh, check this right here. Watch this. Watch this. The Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will be able to be a guide to you so that way you won't offend anybody. The Holy Spirit will let you know when to speak loud and cry, you know, uh, cry loud and spare not. And it will let you know when to turn the other cheek. And give a soft answer that will turn away a wrath. But if you don't have the Holy Ghost, which God gave us access to back in Acts when he took Jesus up. See that you got to know your Bible. When God first came into the, when God created the earth in Genesis, it says that the earth was without form, da, 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 and God's spirit moved among the land. That's the Holy Ghost right there. And that's what I want you to get a hold of. So if you do everything with a pure heart and you have the Holy Spirit, then you won't have no problems trying to convey your message in this day and time. Absolutely. And uh, that goes along with loving the way God loves them too. You'll never meet a person. I like this saying, you'll never meet a person that God does not love. That's right. So, yeah, I think one of the ways that we stay salty is just remember that, you know, to respond, like you said, and also to uh, really, truly love people, even if they're being difficult. Um, so that, I think, is one way we can stay salty. Um, Amen. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So uh, the other thing that you said, I think, uh, bears just repeating again, uh, is that we have to stay focused on Jesus and we need to continue to learn from him and let him teach us. Um, if we focus, like you said, on the wrong things, we, we run the risk of, of becoming nothing but superficial Christians. 
uh, not really worthy of the name Christian. <laughs> Amen. Because that. yeah, so I think that's what it means to be thrown down and and just be trampled upon because we're not worthy of being called a Christian. People would not will not recognize us as that. Christian means little Christ, you know, so we're supposed to be little Christ in the world. So, well, Reggie, our time is up. I am so excited. Oh my goodness. I knew all I had to do was just release you and you would give us the word. Uh, ah! <laughs> our time is up and I hope we've given our uh, listeners something to think about and maybe reflect upon and journal about becoming salty followers of Jesus. Have you got any last challenge for the week that you want to leave the listeners well if i could leave you with anything is that it is to from have your saltiness and to keep your salt i want you to find out what your purpose is in god okay find out what your purpose is in God. So for those who may be out there and may have been struggling, trying to figure out like, well, do I need to go back to church? Cause you know, churches are doing this and COVID this and COVID that. I'm telling you right now, churches do need you. Okay. Never think that a church does not need you. And that's not just saying that they need your money. No, there are some members at churches right now that have been there remaining faithful and consistent, have been praying that God would send the harvest, send people, you know, to come and help them out, you know, because some of these churches have like maybe a good 25 people. And, you know, and you, you never want 25 people to try to do all of the work because they also have lives of their own, you know, but for you to figure out what you need, I'm letting you know right now, go find you a church and get in it right now get in it, get in, get in the, the works of the Lord, you know, start to not only give your treasure, but give your talent and your time, which the, the Lord also does require. Okay. So I encourage you to try your best to even research, go, go ahead and find you a book on the fruit of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, you know, and see where do you fit in, in those categories. All right. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you so much. And, and thank you listeners out there who have listened all the way through. Uh, I hope that you remember that we will be um, next week. We'll have a new episode and Reggie is coming back for our next episode too. So we'll be listening to Reggie again next week. Let me ask you, our listeners out there, which part of this week's Bible study did you really enjoy or learn something you didn't know before? As we said, we are very grateful to you, our listeners, for sticking with us from the start of the show till now. We also want to thank the folks at Anchor by Spotify for hosting and promoting our weekly shows. If you like this and would like to support United Campus Ministry by making a donation, you can do so on this site or we also have cash app our link is dollar sign uc ministry please leave a review or contact us through our social media pages with your comments you can find the links to these sites on this page and 
last but not least, be sure to tune in next Wednesday for our upcoming episode as we continue this series on what will make us truly happy according to Jesus. We have another shocker of a statement next week, so hit subscribe so you don't miss it. And again, you've been listening to Let Me Tell You About My Jesus with Dr. Z. Praying you all have a great week and keep meditating on the verse for this week. Bye now.